This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is a special bonus episode of the death by incarceration podcast. My name is Spencer Daniels and earlier this year, DBI was invited to a job fair in Philadelphia hosted by reform Philly. I was able to conduct a handful of short interviews with some in attendance, and the following are those conversations. Please enjoy. All right, I am currently, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Oh man, my name is Jason Avon. I'm a former wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, Panthers, um, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm here in the Philadelphia area, living, running trampoline parks, and, and helping out in the community. So that's what I do. That's awesome. So what brought you here to the Philadelphia Job Fair today? Well, I have a bunch of friends that are throwing this event, and Robert and Nathan, um, that asked me to come out. But I didn't know that it was going to be this expansive. I didn't know that it would be this many um, businesses and organizations out to help the community and those that have been um, in the system. So this has been a great experience for me today, just seeing it and how um, able Robert was able to galvanize the whole city. And there was a lot of people that couldn't get in because... You know, um, not not people as far as the, uh, but companies, businesses, businesses yeah, because it was you know it came in too late. But so this is great. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the the turnout has been great. We love seeing these companies, these organizations come in. Hopefully next year, maybe do it over the link. Maybe yeah. we have a little little more room to spread out and get some more people in. Yeah, get some more people in. Yeah, so they they're expecting you know 20, 20, um, 2,500 people to come in through uh, come in today. So that's that's a pretty sizable event for you know a month of preparation. You know, so this is. This has been a great turnout, so I'm, I'm excited. And um, did you see, like, they have all types of things, resume writing, um, expungement, uh, just so many different um, things here to help people out to yeah, get a so job. I'm doing mock interviews yeah, over there. Yeah, over and there. The, and, the, and the barber. The I barber got... suited up. You know, they're doing a lot, and this is great. It's a great experience. So with your work out in the community, what, what do you think are some of the, the biggest hurdles that are preventing returning citizens from getting back into the workforce? Um, just the mentality of, of, of society in whole. A lot of times, some of the jobs that people can qualify for um, coming out of prison may not be the highest position. So we have to like do a better job in our culture of not demeaning you know, certain jobs and certain, you know, entry level or whatever, you know, people that are returning from prison so they can feel comfortable in those jobs. Uh, so I, I, think that's, I think that's one issue is that we have to eliminate the stigma about some of the jobs and some of, you know, the, the positions that are, that are available. Yeah. 
do you think there's anything that, that could sort of streamline the process of, of prison to employment, whether it's work that's done while, the, while people are still in prison? That's the goal of prison, right? The goal of prison rehabilitation? It should be rehabilitation. It shouldn't be, you know, a punishment. It, it is a punishment, yeah. but also it should be to, re to rehabilitate people. And um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, you get kind of mad when you hear some of the stories of, you know, people not being able to, in certain states, can't, you know, get their degree anymore. They can't work and different things of that nature. You, you should go into prison coming out a better person. That's the, that's, the, that's the whole goal. So, yes, I think inside the prisons is where a lot of this work should take place. Yeah, agreed. It, the, the rehabilitation thing, I, I, I think, seems to get lost a little bit. Yeah. Uh, more, more than it should. We would love to see more, more of that. Um, so aside from the, the barber and the clothes and the, and the resume, are there, are there any like, less obvious uh, things that, that people need to do to get back into the workforce? Um, I think that, I think first of all, that you got, you got to be willing to be available. Um, and also, you got, I think just in general, we have to change some of the patterns that we've, that, like, because there's a pattern of behavior that landed us in the position of, of imprisonment or something, you know. So maybe the same neighborhoods, the same friends, I think that we have to extract ourselves from those environments. And getting around people that are here today, this is a great place to meet friends because you guys are on the same path, right, of trying to um, rectify and restore a life. So I think that surrounding yourselves with different people is it's, it's, it's one of those things and, and what you feed your brain. Yeah. I'm a, I always say that, that if you want to change a, a community, you have to change the information. Well said. Yeah. Well said. All right. Well, I don't want to take any more of your time. I just wanted to have a couple of questions. Oh, Anything a you want to close with? No, go birds. Go birds. Great for, you know, everyone here that's, that's throwing this event. I appreciate everyone. Amazon and all of these companies had to agree to a few things, you know, and they had to agree to um, not, a let a, uh, not uh, let a felony stop them, you know, from hiring someone and also be willing to hire on the spot if they found someone that they like. So I'm just appreciative of all the companies that came out to support this event. And I, you know, and I've, I've had to say this a couple of times today. I know we are more focused on uh, returning citizens coming back from from prison, but there is this is also about veterans, about yeah. single parents, about other other uh, other people who have obstacles yeah, to, that, to getting employment. There is, and every you never know what someone's going through, and um, it could be anything that's preventing them. And the information today, hey, could be, you know, tattoo placement. It could be anything that's preventing. You never know in this culture, in this time, because everyone has a, a person that's a that's responsible of, of hiring someone, they have a personality type and they have things that are irritable to them and they have things that that's pet peeve. So um, getting coaching on how to present themselves in an interview, those that could be the, the you know, the thing that gets the person a job. And so having that information available to them is, is definitely helpful. Absolutely. All right, Jason, thank you so much for, for having a, taking a couple of minutes. Oh, no problem, Spencer. You have a good one, buddy. Great to meet you. Yeah, you Thanks. too. All right. Uh, so my name is Spencer Daniels. I'm with Death by Incarceration podcast, mm -hmm. and uh, we're sitting down. Please introduce yourself and, and let us let let us know what you're doing here today. 
So my name is Derek Green. I'm an at-large member of City Council, but it's really important to be here because if you think about all the issues and challenges we have in the city of Philadelphia and cities around the country, having the opportunity for people to get real quality jobs and information is very important, especially with all the violence and challenges we're seeing right here in Philadelphia. What, what are you seeing that are some of the biggest obstacles and challenges of people returning to the workforce? Well, one of the biggest challenges is how do you connect with jobs? Like in my office, I have a staff person who's just dedicated to helping people with their resumes, helping people to prepare for an interview, because sometimes people don't know how to say what to say and how to be prepared, what it's like to be on an interview. So we try to provide that. So I think that's some of the, the challenges that a lot of people see. Like, I want a job. I want to make a change. I want to do something different, but I don't know who to talk to to give me that path. And I think that's part of the challenge. And we do have a lot of jobs out here. So how do we connect people that want the jobs, that want the work with the opportunities? Yeah. Uh, I know one of the biggest problems with the the application prod process is the 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 felony, the box. Right. You know, there's, a, there's, the, there's legislation out there that's yeah. been discussed to, to ban the right. box. And we've done that in Philadelphia years ago. Ban the box. Former Councilman Donnery Miller did that years ago to ban the box. That's awesome. So I know that's always been a, been a, a, a big hurdle. What, uh, do you think enough is being done inside the prisons to prepare people once they get released? Uh, well, I don't think so, just from my observation, from my experiences. Now, you do have some uh, officials within prison who are really focused on that. Um, John Wetzel, the former um, Secretary of Corrections here in the Commons, Pennsylvania, he was really focused on that. But to me, he was kind of a rare person that really focused on, you know, we're supposed to be doing reform. Uh, we don't want to make sure people come back to this location. So we need to do more of that, taking more job fairs like this into the prisons. So when people are about to be you know, leave and returning home, they know what's available. So we should be taking as many type of resources and services to locations where people are incarcerated to give them a sense of, okay, now that I know, I can prepare for these type of things, get these type of skills, and I can start preparing myself even while I'm incarcerated. A number of people have gotten their GED, college degree, and other type of training and learning. Why can't we do that now? Because a lot of jobs right now have um, skill sets that people need and you can get some of those skills before you come home. Yeah, I, I think having having a job fair like this inside the prison is a fantastic idea. Right. And I don't know if any, anyone out there is is proposing that type of a thing, but I think I think that would be a great place to start. I agree. I agree. Because I I, I know that I know there are organizations that are that are inside. They're preparing people for work. I don't I don't want to discredit any of the work any of them are doing. I just I don't think that there is enough that can be done. There's always right. a little bit more. Right. Well, I think sometimes people have been doing the same type of things for a long way, saying this is the way we do this. This is the way you get released. This is the way you get prepared for being released. This is how you re-enter your community. But because people have been doing some ways the same way for a long time, not necessarily saying those things are the bad way, but let's be creative and reimagine and take some of the people that have these experiences and perspectives and have them part of the process so we really can make sure people are returning properly back into our cities and communities around the country. Do you have any outside the box thinking? So, you know, we've got, we got resume writing, we've got mock interviews, um, there's a barber, you know, all of these things that are preparing people to get back into the workforce. Do you have any outside the box ideas of, of things that maybe people aren't thinking about.
Um, outside the box ideas. Well, outside of just you know bringing the job fairs into the incarceration, um, looking at other type of ideas. We've seen tax credits for different employers as a way to provide opportunities. Um, and you know what? Also, what about doing a better job of hiring people who have who are returning citizens that can actually go back into the prisons and say, "Listen, this is the path I've made." Um, these are some things that you can do. This is how you prepare now. I don't. I think sometimes we're not using people to have the experiences to help provide other people with experiences um, that they would need coming forward. That's a good point. I had a conversation uh, yesterday with with a buddy, and we were talking about, you know, I don't know if there's anything like a like a reference network. Say you you have somebody who returns from prison, they get a job, they're a model employee. Mm-hmm. They have a a wealth of knowledge of of people who have recently been released or have release upcoming that this person can can vouch for. Right. They, they, he can he can be a reference, a reference for these right. people who may not have another reference. They may not right. have family. They may not right. have anything. Uh, could you see something like that maybe being done? Absolutely. And even using technology to do that because too often, you know, we're using technology in all kinds of ways. Why not using technology? And I know there's some people here in Philadelphia using technology, but using it not only for job application, but also references. Because if you have someone that said, listen, I can vouch for this person, here's my reference, it's on a QR code, and they can give it to someone, and they can give it to an employer, that also gives that person credibility who's trying to get a job. Absolutely. So using technology, so when you say, what can we do that's different? I think one of the ways to start using technology to replicate some things we've done through traditional paper and in person to augment that to really give people a heads up. That's great. That's that's wonderful thinking. That's that's the kind of thing I'm I was thinking of. Just a little bit outside right. the box. It's not right. not being done yet, but right. we certainly even have things the tools. like how to prepare for an interview, how to do how to tie a tie. If you can download something that's just you, so you don't have to be like nervous or feel embarrassed where you can do their own self-training and that's a way to prepare yourself for jobs and other opportunities yeah that's great all right councilman i I appreciate you taking a couple of minutes i know you got you you got a lot of people out here that that want your time so i really appreciate you taking time for incarceration thank you for doing what you're doing thank you be well all right All right. Could you please introduce yourself and let us know what you're doing here today? Uh, how you doing? I am uh, Pennsylvania State Representative Jordan Harris. Uh, I represent parts of Philadelphia County and the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, and I also serve as the Democratic Whip in the House of Representatives. And I'm here uh, at uh, the uh, Reform Philadelphia Job Fair, uh, supporting all of our brothers, sisters, and siblings who are coming down here trying to find employment, but specifically those who have found themselves uh, entangled with our criminal justice system. What do you think are, are some of the biggest obstacles and hurdles that people are facing trying to get back into the workforce? Yeah, well, I mean, so, there, so I think there are different hurdles for different folks um, that they have to overcome. I mean, if you have a criminal record, I think the first hurdle to overcome is perception. Um, there's a perception that because a person uh, made a mistake in their life that it is Um, a character flaw and it just is who they are and I tell people all the time you can't judge a person by the worst day of their life right and and a lot of times uh, when folks find themselves entangled in the criminal justice system it is it has or whatever they did was the worst day of their life right Um, so the first thing is perception I think after that now you're talking about criminal records and 
and, and all of the, the public information and public data that people can pull up that, you know, whether it's um, because of feelings or whether it's because of the actual law prevents people from becoming gainfully employed. I tell people all the time, there are many industries in Pennsylvania and in states across this country where, depending on your criminal record, you cannot work. That's right. You know, so for me, I've always said, I don't understand why you can't get a barber's license if you sold drugs 20 years ago. Right. What do the two have to do with each other? And the answer is... Not a damn mm, thing. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so we, what we've been trying to do and working with the Reform Alliance and some of the stuff that we've been doing in, in our state capital, which is Harrisburg, is how do we reform our criminal records and criminal record laws um, so that um, folks, when they get out of our system, uh, they can become gainfully employed. Yeah, so they, they need, there's tools that all those people need. Yeah. What, what, aside from getting a job, from uh, transportation to the job, yeah. what, what, do, what do these folks need? So I know, so every, every company, every organization that's here, uh, they have agreed that, that having a felony will not be a hindrance to them yes. getting a job. Yes. Um, what, what else is there? Like, what, what are some of the things that, that can be done to, to get these people employed? Well, I think there's, uh, there's large and small things alike that can be done. The first thing I always talk about is, as a government, we need to reimagine what justice looks like. And here's what I mean by that. You know, you have police officers to lock you up. You have uh, district attorneys to prosecute you. You have uh, judges to sentence you. You have the Department of Correction to house you. You have the probation and parole to watch you. But there is no agency that says, how do I help you reconnect with your family? There is no government agency, watch this, who it's their job to make sure you don't recidivate, right? And when you look at recidivism rates across the country, there are, our recidivism rates usually are high. In Pennsylvania, we spend about $1.3 billion because people go back to our criminal justice system. What if we spent money on making sure that they didn't? So, so, so that's, the, that's, the, that's the large, uh, uh, you know, kind of like 50,000 foot uh, view. But then it could be something as simple as housing. Where, where, where am I going to live when I get out, you know? Uh, can't, you can't I, rent it. You can't rent a house sometimes with a, with a record. Yes, you can't get into public housing if you have a record, right. right? So if even if I if I'm a man who has children, you know, with my wife or my girlfriend or, 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 or whatever, I can't even live in the same house that my children live in if I have a record. Which means that the government, some would say intentionally, some would say unintentionally, are keeping families apart. So now that person who now has a child can't can't find somewhere to live. How many of our, our, our folks get a job and don't have clothes to wear right. uh, uh, when they get out? So all of these things are things that I think the average everyday person might not think about. But when you have a criminal record and when you're on the other side of your conviction, these are the things that come up. So uh, backing up a little bit to the, the agency you were talking about, yeah. the, the hypothetical agency, yes. is, that, is that just a, a kernel of a thought or is that a plan? It started as the kernel of a thought, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 for me, it's a, it's, it, it's, a, it's a part of my legislative legacy in, in, in a sense, uh, and not just in Pennsylvania, but just, you know, nationwide, you know, what does it look like to reimagine justice, right? Justice is not just about locking people up. 
Um, justice is also about how do you make those families whole again? How do you reintegrate these folks back into society? You know, because when you do that, right, you are actually creating safer communities, yeah. right? When folks don't recidivate and they have and they're gainfully employed, you're helping them. We all know uh, that the statistics show us that if you are a child of an incarcerated parent, the likelihood of you becoming incarcerated goes up exponentially. Right? Yeah. So if we put that parent back into the household, what does that look like for the children? What does it look like for the grandchildren, right? So these are all of the things when I talk about reimagining justice, right? It's justice for that child that their father can live in a household with them. It's justice for that child that their mom can live in a household with them. It's justice for that mother who's trying to raise that child that she now has another income in that household to raise the family. I think you're onto something. I think your political legacy is, I mean, that's that's what the best idea I've heard today. Um, the the agency to to keep people to reimagine the justice system that and uh trying to heal trauma mm. trying to heal generational trauma yeah. that that keeps that cycle going yep. those are those are some of the things i want to take away from today yeah yep. anything else you want to you want to add and i'll let you get back to nah man i'm just glad uh, i appreciate your platform i appreciate the work that you uh you folks are doing uh to 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 string a narrative of what we're trying to do uh, I tell people all the time, there are two things in my mind that every major movement has had, and that is a narrative, and that's the soundtrack. Uh, and I tell people all the time when, you know, when we say, you know, when, when James Brown says, say a lot, I'm black and I'm proud, it wasn't just a song, it was the soundtrack of, of a movement. You know, when, when Marvin Gaye asked what's going on, it wasn't just a song, it was the soundtrack for a movement. Uh, what you're when doing, Chuck D said, "Fight the power." Oh, it was a soundtrack to the movement. <laughs> so what you're doing here is providing us a narrative that helps us get to the soundtrack for the movement. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate I really you so appreciate much. your time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this special Death by Incarceration podcast. Remember, education and employment are some of the best tools in fighting recidivism. Find us and follow us on all social media platforms and keep listening to the podcast. Thank you to Glassbox. Thank you to Crawlspace. And this has been a DBI Media production. That's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Bye. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.